When I was finishing up my series on the Trinity of God, I talked about how part of the role that the Holy Spirit plays is to guide us believers in our spiritual walk. And this can sometimes lead to Christians then asking the question, well, how can I tell whether or not I am being led by the Holy Spirit? What are maybe some things in my life that I can test to see whether or not I'm living the way that I want to live, or I am actually living the way that the Holy Spirit wants me to live, and and really following along with God's will for my life. And there's a great passage of scripture, it's in Galatians chapter 5, it's verses 22 and 23, and it talks about some of the characteristics that can be seen in a person's life as a result of following the Spirit. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, So it's Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And I wanted to kind of go through and talk about each of these uh, pieces of the fruit of the Spirit and kind of go into detail on what it means to have that characteristic in our life and how can we test whether or not we are operating with that characteristic. Now, before we jump into it, one of the things that I do want to point out is that it says the fruit of the Spirit are these things. And it doesn't say the fruits, plural. It doesn't have the little S at the end. Uh, And this is significant because what that tells us is that if we are living a life led by the Holy Spirit, that we should be showing all of these different characteristics. It's not just a few things or most of the things, because it's not fruits of the Spirit that maybe we have a few of, It's called the fruit of the Spirit, that as you walk uh, according to the guiding of the Holy Spirit, that you will have this kind of fruit in your life of all of these different characteristics. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I'm going to go through uh, each one of these characteristics, starting with the first three today, so that we can kind of test ourselves to see whether or not we are uh, showing these characteristics in our life. So let's begin with the first one, which is love. And love is seen all throughout Scripture. And I want to highlight a couple of scriptures that really showcase exactly what love is. And so the first uh, passage is in John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13 where Jesus says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then the other passage is Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So these two passages kind of highlight really the foundation that love is built upon, which is sacrifice. 
John talks about laying down your life for someone else. And that doesn't just mean like, oh, I'll take a bullet for you. It means I will live in a way that is serving you. And that's also seen in Philippians where it talks about placing a higher value on other people than yourself. yourself. And that's not uh, beating yourself up. That's not pushing yourself down. It's just saying that you're more focused on other people than you are focused on yourself. And because of that, you're willing to make sacrifices in your life for the sake of other people. So if we want to see whether or not we have love in our life as part of that fruit of the Spirit, the question that we can ask ourselves to see whether or not we operate in love is the question, how often do you go out of your way for other people? How often are you willing to let your schedule be changed in order to meet the need that someone else has? Do you go out of your way for other people, or do you kind of only help people that are easy or convenient to help, somebody that you're comfortable helping? That's not really going out of your way, and that's not much different than what anybody else does in the world. And so to see whether or not you're really operating in love is to ask yourself if you actually go out of your way for other people. And churches have tried to provide opportunities for people in their church to go out of their way for other people. Uh, Probably the greatest example of that is missions trips that people go on. Usually, uh, if there's been some kind of disaster in in an area, that the church sends people on a missions trip to that area to help care for those people. And I've gone uh, on a couple missions trips in my life. Both of them was to an orphanage in Mexico. And, you know, it takes a lot of fundraising, a lot of planning, and and then obviously that week uh, that we were there of time that we had to dedicate to go there and, and serve the people and help build the orphanage, you know, hand mixing cement. It's not fun. It's tough work, but it's, it's doing that. It's, it's not convenient. It's not easy. You're going way out of your way, but you're doing it for the sake of other people. And we have to ask ourselves, is that something that we show in our day-to-day life? Not just when mission trips opportunities show up, Our first impulse should be that if we see a need, that we want to meet that need. I remember there was one day uh, on a Sunday, it was after church, and we used to have our drama team practice after church where we would do like skits and things like that. Well, one time after practice, everybody else had gone, and my sister and I were waiting for uh, our ride to come and pick us up. And while we were there, somebody came to the church asking for gas money. And I remember uh, when I I talked to them and found out that they were looking for that, I immediately just got out my wallet and gave them some money for gas. Now, being a little older and wiser um, and knowing that there are many people that try to scam, (laughs) uh, especially churches, out of their money, I may not do that if I was in the same scenario right now. But the point is that my instinct was to make that sacrifice to help them in their need. 
And that's really where we want to be. We don't want to get to a place where um, our initial reaction is to dismiss the person and and ignore them. And then we've got to make ourselves <laughs> then uh, help them out. If anything, we want our initial reaction be to be, yeah, I'm willing to go to whatever lengths is necessary to help you out. And then, you know, have wisdom in that and sometimes rein that in to make sure that they are someone who is actually needing help. But we want to still have that attitude in our heart where our initial reaction is to help the person out where they are, no matter what we have to do in order to meet that need. doesn't matter if we have to change our schedule, if we have to, uh, you know, have less money, give them some money, whatever the case may be, that needs to be where what our initial reaction is. And then what we do based off of that reaction still needs to be uh, wise, but that shows uh, having a love in our heart for other people. And when we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will move us to that place. He will move us to make sacrifices for other people where we're not concerned about, you know, how is this going to affect me? We say, well, it doesn't really matter how it affects me. What matters is that I'm able to help someone who needs help. And that's what loving someone is all about, is being willing to make those sacrifices for them. And so that's why we ask ourselves the question, how often do we go out of our way for the sake of other people? So that's love. Now let's move on to the second thing I want to talk about today, which is joy. And joy is that feeling of happiness that isn't dependent upon our circumstances. It's not, well, something good happened to me, so I'm going to be happy now. And then when something bad happens to me, that well, I'm not going to be happy then because something bad happened to me. Joy is is deeper than that. It's being able to um, kind of have that happiness regardless of the situation. So there's a couple passages that I uh, pulled out from Scripture to highlight uh, what joy is and how we can have joy in our life. So the first one is a little bit uh, longer. It's Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 7 through 12, and this is after Nehemiah has rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and the people have come back into the city. Uh, So starting at verse 7, it says, The Levites instructed the people in the law, talking about the law of Moses from the Old Testament, while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. 
Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. So I love the picture that this passage of Scripture paints, because you have these people that are relearning, they're rediscovering the law that God has given to them. And they are so anguished in their soul about how they have fallen short of that. And Nehemiah and Ezra and, and you know the Levites who were there encourage the people and say, no, 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 no. We don't want you to sit here and, and mourn and weep and, and cry. Yes, you have realized that you have fallen short of the glory of God. But what a wonderful day this is where we have come to that realization and we can now move forward in something greater. And so they're actually encouraging them to be joyful and to celebrate. And, and that's where we see uh, the fuel for joy is, is from this attitude of celebration and being able to maintain that attitude no matter what the situation is that we're in. Uh, now, the other passage is Psalm 126, verses 1 through 3. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. And I love how the joy that these people have in this scripture uh, becomes a testimony to the other nations where they are able to say, look what wonderful things the Lord has done for them. And we know that God has done great things for them because we can see the joy that they have. And I especially like how it ties together that their, their tongues were filled with songs of joy and their mouths were filled with laughter. And when I think of of joy and having this attitude of celebration. I also think of laughter tying right alongside with that. You know, if somebody is joyful, they have a lot of laughter in their life. When you maintain that attitude of celebration, it lightens your heart and enables you to laugh and enjoy the life that you live. Enjoy it through laughter. And so that's why the question I have for you, if you're wondering whether or not you have joy in your life, is, is your life filled with laughter? When was the last time you laughed? Has it been a long time? If it's been a long time since you've laughed, you are probably not a very joyful person. If I took two pictures um, you know, a picture, one picture each of an elderly person. And one person had a lot of what are called frown lines, and another person had a lot of what are called laugh lines, which would you say is more joyful? Well, if you looked at the person, you would probably say, well, the person who has the laugh lines, just they just look more joyful. And it's because when you have that attitude of joy and that attitude of celebration and you're able to fill your life with laughter, it lets that joy that's in your heart show visibly on your face. 
And when we have the joy of the Lord in our life, it's the same thing where, where that is seen through other people and sometimes seen through those good old laughter lines. But really, what I want us to see is that joy and an attitude of celebration and a heart filled with laughter and a mouth filled with laughter, uh, that all of those things are connected. And we see that all throughout our life. You know, I went to a wedding this last week, and I was thinking, you know, I don't think I have ever been to a wedding where at least one joke was not made. And even when my wife and I were getting married uh, and we were doing our vows, now, for you to understand this joke, you have to realize that I am not a tall person. Um, and so when my wife was doing the vows, she started by saying, I'm going to keep this short and sweet just like you. Um, <laughs> and everybody laughed at that quite a bit. But, you know, I was, and I was just thinking, you know, those times of celebration, you know, that's what a wedding is. It's a time of celebrating this new joining of life together. That there's always lots of laughter and, and even jokes that are told, you know, especially in the best man speech. You know, it's, it's those jokes, it's that laughter, it's that celebration. All of those things are connected. It's what it means to live a joy-filled life. And when we have the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, guiding our heart, guiding our mind and our attitudes and the way that we live, when we allow him to move in us like that, he will fill us with celebration and laughter. And that is how we know that we have the joy of the Lord in our life that gives us the strength um, to walk in the paths that he leads us down. So that's love and joy. Now let's move on to our last one today, which is peace. And peace is that calming sense that you have. And again, just like joy, it's not dependent upon the circumstances that you're in. And we see this especially uh, if we go back to Philippians, this time chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So a couple of things that I want us to see from this. First of all, is we can see that the peace of God that passes all understanding, and it makes no sense to the human mind, that that peace arrives after we trust God with our concerns. That instead of being anxious about a situation, we pray about it. We give it to God, and, and we, we do so with thanksgiving for all that God has already given to us. And we take our requests about that situation, 
and give it to God. And it's after we do that, after we trust God with our concerns, that that peace begins to settle into our hearts and lives. And then the result of that is the way that we think, the things that we think about. And are we now thinking about things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy? Because when we receive the peace of God, when we take the concerns that we have and give it to God, that frees up our mind to think about uh, things different than what we're concerned about. And then we're not stewing over those things that we're worried about. We're not just tossing them over and over in our mind and just working ourselves up to a place of even more anxiety and more stress because we've given it to God and we are then trusting Him to take care of the things that we are concerned with. And that doesn't mean that we don't still have a part to play in actually dealing with our issues, but it's simply that we're trusting God to take care of us and to take us through the situation that we're in. And so after we do that, we receive that peace, and then we no longer have to keep thinking about that thing that concerns us, we are then free to at least see it from a new perspective, maybe a more uh, hopeful perspective, because we're not just thinking, oh, this is so terrible, oh, this is awful, this is something that is a huge deal that I have to deal with. No, you're saying, well, I've given it to God. And so really, you know, there is also that verse that talks about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so one of the really telling things about whether or not people have given their concerns to God is to listen to the words that they say. And that's why I want us to ask ourselves this, to see whether or not we have the peace of God uh, working in our life, is to ask ourselves the question, are, are words filled with hope or despair? When we're talking about things in our lives or even things in the world around us, do we speak in a way that is hopeful or do we think or, or speak in a way that is despairing? Is it like a, oh, all hope is lost or is it, you know, this is just the beginning or maybe we could do this instead? Is it despairing or, or is it hopeful? And that's why one of the phrases I hate the most, um, or at least I really, really don't like it. It just rubs me the wrong way. Uh, is the phrase, the world's is going to hell in a handbasket. I really don't like that phrase. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. Partly because that's never the end of the conversation. Uh, there's always a lot more sentences after that sentence explaining why the world is going to hell in a handbasket and all of these terrible things that happen in our world and it's only getting worse and worse. And pe the people that say those things, they'll continue to go on and on and on. And you have to sit there and wonder to yourself, don't you have anything positive to say? <laughs> like, are you just going to sit there and worry about it or are you going to do something about it because a lot of the time the the things that people are worried about there's something they can do about it but instead they just, they just sit there and complain about it and worry about it instead of actually getting up and doing something about it and if they're sitting there worrying about it 
it shows so clearly that they haven't given their concern about that situation to God yet. Because you really have to get that anxiety away from you. Take that stress away by giving that concern to God so that God can, can, can begin to move you in a path with his peace to address that situation. Uh, my wife was talking with one of her friends, and she was telling me about it later. And her friend had basically told her, you know, you guys have these student loans. Don't even bother trying to pay them off. There is no way you will be able to pay off the student loans. They're always going to be there. They'll be there up until the time that you die. So, you know, just do the minimum payments if you have to and, and try to avoid even that because it's, it's just a hopeless situation. It can't, it can't be taken care of. And uh, my wife then responded with, by essentially saying, well, here's all the student loans that we have paid off so far, and, and actually we're just about to pay another one off at the end of the month. And, you know, that ended the conversation really quickly. But that just shows so clearly about how someone who, you know, is in that place of despair, they haven't given the situation to God. They're, they think, well, it's, it's too great of a burden to carry. It can't be dealt with. Compared to my wife who's saying, no, it is possible to deal with this situation. It's not a hopeless situation. There can be a light at the end of the tunnel as long as you deal with it um, in the correct way. And I think that's such a great contrast between someone that is operating uh, in line with the Holy Spirit and someone who is not operating in line with the Holy Spirit. Because if we let the Holy Spirit guide us, He will give us that hope for the future. And when we have that hope for the future, um, and we've taken the concerns that we've had and given them to God and then partner with God, let God partner with us uh, to take care of those situations, then He will give us His peace as we deal with that situation so that we're not in dread and despair, but we are hopeful. We can approach it with a positive mindset and say, no, it's, it's not hopeless. We're not all going to hell in a handbasket. And even if we are, let's talk about what we can do about it. And that reveals, uh, that, that kind of mentality, those words reveal whether or not someone has peace in their heart. So that's why uh, the question for peace is, are your words filled with hope or despair? So talked about love, talked about joy, talked about peace. Again, all three of these, as well as the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, are characteristics that should show up in the lives of each and every believer who is being led by the Holy Spirit. And so if we are being led by the Holy Spirit, we'll have these traits, these characteristics, where we will make sacrifices for others because of the love that's in our heart. We'll have an attitude of celebration and our life will be filled with laughter because we have joy from the Holy Spirit. And we'll have a hope for the future 
because we've taken our concerns and given them to God so that we aren't carrying that burden all on our own that is just weighing us down. Instead, we're able to say, no, I trust that God can take care of this, and I want to join him in the work of his kingdom to do what I can to help fix this situation that we're in. So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace. And I'll continue talking about the rest of the characteristics that come from a Spirit-led life uh, in the upcoming weeks. But until then, this has been another Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any questions or comments about anything I've talked about, feel free to contact me. You can do so either through our Facebook page, Sermon in the Pocket, or you can email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com, and I'd love to hear from you. And remember to share this uh, with other people to help get the message out there. But until next time, I pray that God will continue to bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you again for listening. Thank you.